This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Breaking up is hard to do, but when it comes to your wireless carrier, you should have left a while ago. You deserve better. Xfinity Mobile. Break free from the big three. Get unlimited with 5G included for $30 a month when you get four lines on Xfinity Mobile. Prices may vary and are subject to change. Reduce speeds at 20 gigabytes per line. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Everyday grab-and-go, everyday giftable, everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a Scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21.
Hi, this is Music. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. Joined today by a guest I've been really looking forward to. You know him better as Ed Romeo from the RSR boards. Uh, he's going to talk to us a little bit today about target allocation for the 2020 Ravens. And I know from Ed's post, this is going to be a great conversation. Ed, how you doing? I'm doing great. Um, good to be on the show. Uh, big fan of uh, Film Study Baltimore. Really love what you did with the uh, looking at the defensive packages. I thought that was incredible work. Thanks. I appreciate it, Ed. And uh, we can uh, heard some big news today, of course, about the Ravens playing in uh, not even half empty stadiums, which we thought was a possibility or 25 percent capacity. But now they're talking really about 20 percent capacity in Baltimore. And I think it, it, you know, it has the potential to create a lot of additional ticket demand, uh, which is going to make it very hard to go to a Ravens game this year. Yeah, um, the direction that the NFL and the Ravens go with the stadium seating, it's going to be interesting because it's going to, I think it's going to mirror what happens with the rest of the government agencies. So I don't know. I mean, like, if you asked me two weeks ago, I was going to be surprised. If you asked me two weeks from now, I'll probably be surprised again. Okay. Yeah. Well, having some fans at all will be good. We'll at least get to go to a game, maybe two, uh, based on the way they're talking about handing out the tickets this year in terms of uh, PSL holders getting a chance to, to get them first. You have a PSL back home? Nope. Nope. Okay. I, uh, not a season ticket holder. Not yet. All right. All right. Uh, well, you, you came on because you want to talk to us about tar- target allocation. Uh, why don't you introduce the topic and we'll talk to you in whatever order you'd like to go. Okay. So, um, I, uh, I made a, a thread a while back just looking at where the targets might go this season. And it was once I started to dive into it, I realized how many variables there are. Uh, there are variables from uh, whether or not you think Roman will look to pass the ball more. There's variables based on how the defense plays, um, variables based on if they try to run the ball more with the running backs. So it's uh, once I started to look at it, it was there's various angles to look at uh, target allocation from. The angle that I'm choosing to look at it from is kind of looking at the receivers themselves and how we view the receivers in terms of quality and whether or not the production should go should go through a particular receiver more than another receiver. Okay, well, fair enough. So I I put my list together a little differently. I put it together based on number of targets per receiver. And one of the things that happens when you try and do that is that you kind of over allocate targets because you don't account for injuries that are certain to occur. So somebody will will miss their number by a lot and the other players will have to pick that up. Uh, and probably among these players, I, the Ravens may or may not be even able to acquire anybody during the season. But I think it's basically, you know, these players that, that we have on the list here uh, who are likely to get most of the targets this season. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, I definitely agree. Like the injuries, um, injuries are probably one of the biggest factors that happen during the course of the season. And uh, if you look at last year, um, especially if you look at Hollywood, Hollywood's target allocation, I'm sure, in your mind, was affected by the injuries because he was coming off that Liz Frank, and he was never fully 100%. And then he will miss some games here where he'll be held back by some games, you know, based on how many snaps he played. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I definitely have him for a fairly sizable increase. So what, what 
would you like to start by position group, by player? What would you like to do? Uh, I would say uh, we can start by, I think everyone's going to be interested in the receivers. So I, I would go with receivers first. Okay, let's go. All right, so um, the uh, my first receiver on there would be uh, Hollywood Brown. Uh, last year, he had 71 targets, and that's from playing 14 games. And then I'm looking at Hollywood to get um, to be kind of viewed as the number one receiver, like the quote unquote number one. And, you know, if you look at how much he's been working with Lamar in the offseason, I feel like they have a real chemistry. And that's important for uh, the production in the passing game. But uh, I still worry about his frame, although he's definitely bulked up. I kind of have a hard time viewing Hollywood as a big time target guy as far as like funneling all the offense through him. Um, so I, I kind of peg uh, Hollywood for around 90 to 100 targets. 90 to 100. Okay. So that's that's not far from what I have. I have him for 105. And my well, part of my logic is that I believe that the Ravens will pass more this year just by circumstance, that they'll be behind in more games than they were this last year, where they were obviously very dominant, and that their 440 team attempts will probably go up to a number like 500, which is towards the league average, but still probably not as high as the league average. Right. So, it, so go ahead. It, and I think... I think the uh, the total number of targets is a that's a very interesting area to look at just in and of itself because I, I actually agree with you that the targets are, are going to go up because I think the natural progression is going to be uh, to be more well not a passing offense but to get more to uh, Lamar passing as opposed to Lamar running. And I think Lamar's even made comments um, toward that end on, on, I think maybe on his uh, his Twitter feeds or some of his interviews that he's done. Right. It's it's a big thing for the Ravens' offense to give up uh, the Lamar running, and we had a great guest on a couple of weeks ago, Dan uh, Reese, who did a great study on how effective the Ravens' offense was in terms of converting first downs, in particular when they ran on first down. They're like no other team in that regard, and right. so. It creates a very low-variance offense that's very nice, very predictable, very effective at churning out first downs, whereas passes break that up more and create opportunities for the defense to make plays. But I, I, I would agree that they would love for Lamar to actually handle the ball less, which I think would be a good idea for a starting point, and it probably will, will create more safety for him to get the ball out quickly in space. Of course, if he's standing in the pocket, I don't think that's going to make him safer. I think that's actually going to be more dangerous. But if he's if he's throwing on the move more, I think it will create, you know, create a safer environment for his play. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely agree. I think people underestimate how dangerous the pocket is, especially mm-hmm. compared to a read option offense. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely we've uh, there's a Sarah Ellison article out there I'd point people to and the and a podcast that goes with that. Be coming out in a day or two. Actually, it'll be out before this one. But uh, I would highly recommend people read that. It's it's out very well done in terms of uh, you know the risk of various plays is mentioned in there from a, from another study as well. Okay, so that's by Sarah Sarah Ellison. You said Sarah Ellison. So there's a paper out there right now. She did. She put a ton of work into that. And then there's a podcast of us going through a presentation of her paper that'll be out. Okay. And and if I could, I want to hop back to something that you said 
um, that the person that was on for the previous podcast that mentioned mm-hmm. the first down run success. Yeah. As as soon as you said that, my first thought was the Titans game, but I don't want to go back to that just yet. Yeah, we don't we don't have to do that. Let's stick to target allocation, Ed. We're gonna have I, I can tell you're the kind of guests we're gonna want to have back for a lot of shows. So let's uh, let's stick to this for now and try and create something that people want to listen to and is the right length for people. Gotcha. So anyway, at, at wide receiver, you mentioned Brown, 90 to 100 catches. Are you trying to frame that up in terms of your total, or are you, you good with just 90 to 100 and, and not trying to match to any total exactly? Um, I can. I think I'll be able to total them up at the end, but I just kind of um, okay. yeah, did a kind of an estimate. Okay. Who's your number two receiver in terms of targets? My number two receiver is, is going to be uh, Miles Boykin. Um, I've been a huge Miles Boykin fan as as a prospect, and um, if you look at the targets that left, um, Hayden Hurst leaves with mm-hmm. 39 targets, um, Roberts leaves with 35 targets. So if you just look at those targets, and I kind of just kind of allocated those targets to to Miles. So Miles was at uh, I believe 22. Miles was at 22 last year. So this would get him up to 96. Whoa. Okay, that's a big number. Yep. All right. So I think I, I would agree that Miles Boykin going to be on the field a lot this year from what we've heard from Roman. He seems to say that. I don't know if I completely believe it, but I believe it believe it just because he says it. But I believe it because he fits their offensive scheme and being a great blocker for the run game. So I think he gets some more pass opportunities. But I, I was I was working hard on this and I kept going back and forth between about 65 and 55 at the low end. And I, I, I'm going to call him for about 55 targets. I think he'll be an excellent deep threat. Still not convinced. Jackson is going to go outside the numbers enough to really greatly increase his number. So 22 to 55, big increase, obviously, not probably what we hope and not probably what he hopes in terms of having maybe an 800-plus yard season because at 55 targets, the best he's going to do is about 500 yards. Right. right. And, and um, the, the amount of targets that um, a receiver is going to get, it's, it's, very, it's very fungible because it could be – I mean, I could definitely see a scenario where he gets around 50 or 60 targets because one, he he doesn't have he he doesn't come into the offense with the amount of chemistry that Lamar has with someone like Hollywood. Um, also, from based off of last year, there was a lot of times he wasn't targeted, and when you look at the film, it's kind of like it's almost curious as to why he wasn't in the progression or he wasn't targeted. So. If the same thing persists, yeah, I could definitely see him being in that range. Um, I'm going to be kind of hopeful and say, because like I've heard some of the uh, Harbaugh press conferences, and they seem to indicate that they're going to be trying to get the ball to the hashes more and to take advantage of their one-on-one targets. And I feel like Miles is very set up to benefit from that if he earns it in practice. And there's definitely areas where I think he needs to improve to to become that second target. Yeah, it needs to be, in in my opinion, a better route runner. And and that means you got to be able to have another route that sells the deep route, whether it's whether it's sluggo or whether it's a comeback route that you can you can uh, do or whatever it might be that allows you to go deep 
off of a route where you're also very dangerous, whether that's a slant or a, or a comeback or whatever it might be. Uh, and, and for that to happen, Jackson really has to have the faith in Boykin to throw outside the numbers because that's where interceptions can occur. And that's where even on the back shoulder, you got to really trust your receiver to have the good hands to, to turn and, and be ready for that football. Yep. And, and then uh, I think that's where this, this off season with the COVID and all the, uh, and all the restrictions comes into play because to to really improve on that type of on those type of routes that's like heavy rep work like yes. repetition after repetition and I, I I don't know how much they're gonna get this off season I know they worked out together but I don't think they'll be able to get up the numbers of reps that they would do in a normal off season yeah not and, Ian Brown anyway yeah. And and I, I was uh, I was joking with uh, a, a buddy of mine. I was telling him that if I was Miles Boykin, I would have moved to Boynton Beach and just lived down there and pulled a uh, you know just called up Lamar every day, be like, hey Lamar, you want to throw? Yeah, there you go. That'd be great. I like I I he certainly needed to spend the off season on his receive, receiving skills because so many things about him are not good for how big, how fast, how physical he is in terms of running his routes well. I mean, I, I think he uses his body only only a fraction of how well he could to shield the football. I think he, you know, other things he does in terms of, of really using his speed are, are just not at a high level. And his hands are just, he bought himself a jugs gun this off season. That was great news. I really liked yep. seeing that. Yeah. Absolutely. It's weird. Like his, his hands have been, uh, up and down issue for him, even back to ND, because initially I think he broke his hand. I think his freshman or sophomore year, and then um, his his big year was his junior year, and his his drop rate was like exceptional. But his rookie year, like he he kind of had he came out strong in the off season, but to start off the season, and it wasn't like a huge number of drops, but it was inopportune drops early and i mm-hmm. think that kind of got them away from him in the like that's just my perception of it right and and if 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 we could you, you mentioned his uh, his route running and and that's an area where i agree i definitely think there's there's areas that he he needs to improve in one of the areas that stood out to me and i'm not sure if, if you saw the same thing was when he's coming out of his breaks he, he sometimes tends to round his routes off and he's not sharp. And he doesn't seem to accelerate out of the break. It's almost like, not lackadaisical, but it's not like aggressive like you would see from like a Julio Jones or a similar receiver with that body type that really kind of explodes out of the break. Right. It's, it's almost like he has to make a move to, to make his break. A, a good receiver has to make a move to make his break to even shake that defender. But I agree with you. Those rounded routes are a common uh, problem with unpolished receivers. And it's definitely something where if you look at Boykin's body of work and his physical tools, you say it's really all about the receiving skills at this point. It's yeah. just it's, there's so much he brings to the table. He's like it's like Bo Jackson as a running back in terms of what he brings to the table. But as a wide receiver, he just need, just needs to figure it out in terms of those receiving skills. So hopefully he'll make progress. I, I don't think it's all going to come in one year, but hopefully he, he gets part of the way there this year. Yep. Yep. I agree. All right. Who's your number three guy in terms of targets? My number three guy is going to be. Uh... I, I think he'll be in store for the same number of targets in that general area. Uh, I would say around 40, 
although I would like to see his number go down. Like, I, like I personally feel like Willie Sneed's targets could all go to DuVernay, and it'll be fine with me. But I feel like having a veteran leader out there is important, and he's big in the motion game. He's big in the blocking, so I know he's going to be on the field. So I think he's going to be, I would say, around 40 targets for, for, for Willie. Yeah, 46 last year in a, in a reduced offense in terms of the pass. I have him for 45 this year. I, I, same reasoning, basically. But I, I agree with you that Snead is going to be one of those guys who they're going to want to have in the game when they really need to pass. So if they get behind in game in a game and they have to come back, and there may be three of them this year, you know, maybe six right. of them this year, who knows? And and if they're in that kind of a game, then Willie Snead is going to be on the field almost every down. I mean, I, I, they're, they're going to have four receivers in the game a lot, or if, if you include Andrews as a receiver, you know, it'll be – Boyle and Ricard probably both sitting for a fair number of snaps. So it'll be a lot of opportunities for those receivers with, with one running back to, um, uh, to make plays. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if Snead is the guy who, who you know, breaks back out and has 70, but I would agree with you. It's not really the best thing for the offense if he does, because you want your young players to, to show what they have in terms of uh, moving forward. Yeah. And, and then as far as if, when I look at what Snead does on the field and, I guess I'm kind of segueing into DuVernay a bit. Um, I feel like we the offense could get from DuVernay the same things it gets from Snead, but with an uh, explosive element in the mm-hmm. deep game. So you think as a blocker, they, they have a not they have not too dissimilar body types. DuVernay is a little ball of muscle who's right. probably about five pounds lighter than Snead or so. I, I don't have it right in front of me here, but it, it, but anyway, there I know they're they're both very physical uh, receivers. Snead is probably uh, right around the same height, and but he might be he might be an inch or two taller. Let me get to yeah, a yeah. roster here that has it. Yeah, I think Snead is at five eleven two oh five, mm-hmm. and Duvernay is. Give me a sec. I'll pull it up here. Sure thing. 5'11", 2'10". Yep. So very similar size. And definitely, you know, I think they're going to look to get that that blocking element from either of them. Now, Snead is quite polished at it, and DuVernay, uh, you know, we'll see. But Mm -hmm. he certainly gives you that good run pass option. Yeah, absolutely. So how many targets did you figure DuVernay for? Because there's definitely a very variable total in my mind. So I I, I have DuVernay for 22, just kind of like, I'm, I'm using, I'm looking at DuVernay in the same aspect that Miles um, was last year as a ver- vertical threat on the outside that may not get a lot of targets, but will be used to kind of stretch the field to have the other guys work underneath. Um, uh, ideally, I would like to see him, like I was saying before, earn Snead's targets, but I feel like because the offense kind of runs well as it is, I don't think it's going to be an easy offense for a rookie to, to break in and have a large target volume. I agree with that. I, I have him for 25 targets. What I do think might work well for him is what I'm hearing, again, from Roman. So I don't know how much he, he's really going to give away. But this is one of these things that was kind of unguarded. He said, we're going to have multiple personnel groups, multiple, multiple even said. So he really wanted to make that point. The idea being that they're going to try and switch in fresh receivers on an almost buy down basis. 
And if you do that, then Snead and DuVernay become very interchangeable parts as being guys who have similar blocking profiles on the on the if you think of it as favorably as you can for DuVernay. Right. And, and also, you know, DuVernay would give you that explosive element and then he would get an opportunity to effectively compete for some of Snead's snaps in that situation. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be in at the end of the game. That doesn't mean he's going to be in on necessarily on every third down. But it does mean I think he'll 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 get some opportunities. And it's an interesting thing with the with the multiple personnel groups is really the Saints model for for really tiring other teams out. Whereas the the um, uh, Patriots or the Colts, you know, with Manning or Brady, um, used a model of really wanting to run the no huddle with the same eleven players. Right, and um, I'm a big fan of Greg Roman. Love his offense, and when he says the multiple personnel groups, and you mentioned shuttling fresh receivers, I love that idea because, like, I, I'm buying into the. Um, the press conferences and some of the, the 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 talk that I've been hearing from Harbaugh, and uh, if, if you don't mind, I hear from Harbaugh where he says uh, he says those corners are going to be one on one, those safeties are going to be one on one against receivers, especially on downfield throws, and we we got to make them pay for it. Uh, I really believe that's the next step for this offense at an execution standpoint. And I really do believe Lamar is going to take the next step and our receiver is going to take the next step. So when I hear that and you mentioned shuttling the fresh receivers, like that would be a good time. Like if, if you have, if you're constantly running the cornerbacks deep with fresh receivers, then eventually you're going to catch a cornerback who's worn down. Oh yeah. So let's say, you, let's say you send miles deep, you, you send Hollywood deep, you send DuVernay deep, like back to back to back against the same corner, then on one of those plays, you might catch him slipping. And uh, and another area where I think DuVernay adds some value is in the actual giving the uh, the pitch on, on the jet motion or the sweep motion. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a really accomplished runner with the ball. Uh, and I, I would argue that he's better than Snead, like, day one. And he's probably close to Hollywood as far as running with the ball as a receiver out of the out of the backfield. Yeah, that's that is an interesting route option they have and you know you'd like to preserve Brown as a deep threat as often as possible. So to have another guy run that run the uh, uh, the jet motion really uh, makes a lot of sense. All right, let's let's keep going here. I'm sorry to hustle you up here but we've no, no, four no, receivers and we need to roll here. Okay, so I, I James Prochet is the next guy on my list. How many targets do you have him for? Uh, James Prochet, I'm I'm not expecting much from him. I'll, I'll just say like just 10, 10 or so targets, just because he's a rookie and they might be able to get him some targets and some blowouts. Okay, I've got him for five. I'm in agreement. I think he's basically a return man this year, and uh, might be part of the offense next year if if Snead is gone and they're they're uh, uh, in need of another guy who can alternate in the slot primarily. Anything and, and then, from? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and I. I think we're we're, we're locked up here, and that's nothing against Prochet, because looking at Prochet's film, he's not the most explosive receiver, but his hands are. It's like it's a watching his film cutups, like watching a highlight reel. Yeah, yeah, he's a he certainly has has produced in college, that's for sure. Scott and Moore, I had, I'll tell you right now, I have for no targets. I think Scott's going to have difficulty making this team. Uh, he's a year three player, and now it, 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 all of the things that made Scott valuable as a 
red zone receiver in theory are things the Ravens don't really need. They don't ever run a fade route with, with Jackson. They always try and extend the play, moving left to right, and then creating a throwing lane, which means you throw um, fastballs and not curveballs into the end zone and have it drop into a receiver. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, I, I, I didn't peg Jaleel Scott for, you know, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I think Jaleel Scott has the uphill battle to make the squad. Okay, so it sounds like the only real difference we had was in the targets for Boykin, where you've got about a plus 40 on him relative to me, but otherwise we're very close. All right, so what would you like to do to the NX, tight ends or running backs? Uh, let, let's, go with, let's go with tight ends. All right. So uh, for tight ends, I have Mark Andrews at 120 targets. And I know that's a big number. I'll, I'll, I'll let you – Go next, and then uh, I'll have uh, some comments on on one, Andrew. One fifteen to lead the team. Also. Yep. Okay. Yeah. There we go. So he played forty one percent of the snaps last year, and I think he'll play more this year. And he just seems to be the security blanket that uh, Jackson always wants. Uh, he may look to Brown first to see if Brown can win on a vertical, but Andrews has been his guy. Um, what do you What do you have to say? Yeah, I, and 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 I'm with you. I think that Andrews is like a stud. I feel like he's, you know, top top three, top five tight end in the league as it stands. And I think, you know, Lamar looks to him for good reason. Um, I'm not, uh, uh, I know that different people aren't, have different feelings about PFF, but PFF has him uh, in, since 2018, uh, Mark Andrews led all tight ends with an average of 2.9 yards per route run, mm-hmm. which is like phenomenal. That's, you know, that's like top end, like regular wide receiver numbers. And his uh, target rating was 112.3 when targeted against man coverage. So once I see those numbers, I feel like the, I wouldn't be surprised if Andrews remains the focal point of the passing game as opposed to, a wide receiver. So I, I feel like Andrews, you know, 120 targets. I feel like he's like the, 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 the Travis Kelsey of our offense. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And, and it's not a big increase. I mean, he had 98 last year. The right. thing I'll say about Mark Andrews is if he really thinks he's finished progressing as a receiver, then uh, I think he's wrong. Um, he's, he had a lot of problems with his hands after the first two weeks last year. Now, just to give you a couple numbers. He caught 16 out of 17 the first two weeks. After that, he was 48 of 81, which is slightly under 60% as a catch rate. That's unacceptable at tight end. And it did lead to some interceptions on balls thrown to him, most notably in the playoff game, obviously. But there were others during the regular season as well. He had some problems with drops particularly in that Seattle game. So it was a wet year, a somewhat difficult year for both Lamar and Andrews in terms of, of the passing game. But Andrews really needs to pick it up as a receiver. And I think then he, he will clearly move to the top of the class because in terms of yards per target, uh, the last couple of years, he's been phenomenal. Yep. And, and, and just to, just to back you up here with the, uh, the, the numbers, uh, going by the catch rate of, of the top tight ends, uh, Travis Kelsey was at 71%. Uh, mm. uh, Kittle was at 79%. And by football outsiders, uh, Mark Andrews was at only 65%, which mm-hmm. is a surprisingly no, low number 
for such a high production as far as yards per route run. So, yeah, he definitely has areas that he needs to tighten up. Yeah, 65.3 was included 16 out of 17 in weeks one and two. Just want to point that out. But yep. uh, anyway, we, uh, we've done that. So we're very, very much in lockstep here. How about uh, uh, Boyle? I guess he'd be the second most likely in terms of tight end targets. Yeah, yep. for uh, Boyle, let me get it up here. I, I lost the first thing. I had to pull it up on my computer. It just went out. Give me one second. But I, I think Boyle's going to have an increase because of some of the yardage that, that Hurst has, I think, is just going to naturally fall to fall to uh, Boyle. And I think Boyle is a he, – he, he's a little bit of an underrated receiver. I think he's better than people give him credit for. So uh, last year, Boyle was at 43 targets. That's right. And I can see him jumping to like between 50 and 60. Okay, I have him for 55, so pretty much exact match again. So the, it would be uh, wonderful for Boyle to get a few more targets, but I think there are practical limitations. He's up against the kind of the cap of his snap count where he was last year. They played a very, very high percentage of snaps and much higher mm-hmm. than any other tight end. So I'm not expecting an increase there. But uh, but I think he he will pick up some targets on those plays just because just because as you say Hurst isn't there he had the best uh, Hurst had the best of the of the tight ends in terms of catch rate Boyle was second at seventy two point one percent Andrews is actually the worst catch rate the say having the best target rate per time on the field right per snap of the field yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, I had the same Boyle was at seventy two based on uh, FBO you have seventy two for him. Oh, 72%. No, okay. Yeah, what did you have for yeah, targets, though? Uh, 50 to targets, 60, right? Yeah, 15 to 60. Okay. Okay, so we're, we're in the same spot. Now, there's two other tight ends I think we're worth mentioning. The first is somebody is going to have to make the team out of Scarf, Wolf, and Breland. At least one, maybe two. Mm-hmm. And how many targets would you allocate to those three guys combined, I'm going to say? At least that's the way I did it. Uh, with those three guys combined, I would say that they're in the under 30, I would say. Okay. I, I would agree. I had them for 18. Uh, I think that, that by having them on the field, by having some three tight end formations, by having them on the backfield on some plays, they're just going to naturally get some targets. It, it, it can't be avoided. And a couple of them are really uh, – Who's the, which is, who's the smaller of the two among Wolf and Breland? I always forget who's the one who's like 245 or so. Uh, uh, Breland is the – is Breland a kid from uh, – the, the kid that got injured that got off to a hot start? Yeah, I think so. Breland is the uh, Oregon guy, and he's 6'6", 252. And Wolf is – yeah, Wolf is like two forty. Six four, two thirty eight. Yeah, so he's he's the guy who's more like a like a use check, like a like a fullback slash H back guy. Uh, it could be honestly either of them or both that would make the team. But I, but if a player like that is probably going to get some targets, who's who's uh, and probably more likely to get more targets. But I have him for eighteen among those among those three guys. Yeah, and, and then uh, just speaking from a uh, a size perspective, I'm. I'm um, and then this isn't always true, but I feel like the bigger tight end has a chance of being a better blocker sooner. And mm-hmm. blocking is such an important thing to this offense that I kind of think it automatically gives Breland a leg up on, on Wolf. And then Breland was 
was really coming on at Oregon prior to his injury. Okay, I mean, definitely possible. The, the player that they're trying to replace is Hurst, who played in the diamond formation in the backfield. And his responsibility for blocking is usually a level two or three block and not one where he's um, uh, chipping or, or attacking a lineman typically. And in fact, they often, you know, will let let a edge rusher go on that side anyway. So yeah. his, his most common block, what's the most important trait is not always size in terms of your tight end who's lining up in the backfield. It's more like, how can he be quick enough and not lungy enough in level two and three to make a good block against the players his own size at linebacker or players much smaller at safety or uh, or corner? Yeah, I agree. I have, I have Ricard, I'll just say, for 12 targets here. How many do you have for him? Yeah, like 8 to 12. Okay. All right. How about running backs now? There's a, there's an interesting division there to be had for certain. Yeah, for uh, the running back target question gets into the, the snap question. And um, when you have a running back like Dobbins, I feel like you – He's going to have to get on the field. Um, so last year, uh, Mark Ingram had 29 targets. And I don't think he's going to get up to that number because I'm, 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 I'm guessing that Dobbins is going to be the lead back sooner than later. So I would just – I'm going to split the difference here and say um, Dobbins gets around 15 to 20 targets. And then Ingram gets like 15 targets. Okay. And I have 25 for both of them. So I have a few more targets going to running backs. 51 last year in total went to running backs. I, I pumped it up to 65 for this year with the additional attempts. And I think fewer total targets going to tight end because of the Hurst being gone situation. So I have, I have Dobbins and Ingram both for 25 targets. When, to, 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 to respond to the point you made, though, about – uh, Dobbins taking over the lead back role. The Ravens really need that to occur. They have only a few places where they can really save money next year. And one of them, you know, it's sad to say, because Mark Ingram has been a great leader, great presence for this, but they're going to really need to cut Ingram. He'll be 32 next year. He has a base salary of $5 million. That $5 million will be very important to try and re-sign other cornerstone players who they have in the queue right now, whereas they have a replacement in Dobbins who I think is going to be very good. Yeah. And uh, and I've, I've, on on RSR, I, I had a thread a, a while back that was about the running backs and how quickly Dobbins could take over. And then, like, I, I basically was projecting that he would get the the job. Like, he he would be the lead back, like probably like week one, if in name only, where Ingram would start, just because Ingram has so much respect in the locker room. But I think. Um, the plan could be to phase Ingram out now so that the offense gets used to it in anticipation of next year, like, like you were saying. And, and I'm a huge fan of Mark Ingram, but I think the, uh, the writing's on the wall for him. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sad I have to agree. But one of the things with Dobbins will be he has to be able to adapt to the way Lamar wants to run the mesh point because it's really Lamar's offense to run the mesh point, to delay through that mesh and to make sure that he has the option to, to uh, you know snatch it if he wants to. Ingram is a master of that. Ingram is like, look, 
pull the ball out whenever you want. As long as you do it hard, you can do it. Gus Edwards and he didn't have that same kind of relationship in, in his rookie year. It was a little bit more difficult for them. So Dobbins, you know, adapting to that at the NFL level, and I know he's run some of that in college, but adapting to that at the NFL level still could be a challenge, you know, to, to get used to Lamar's way of doing business. And and then you mentioned that, and then it, it, it just goes to show how many hidden things a veteran like Ingram does. And then as far as um, pass protection goes, Mark Ingram has always been excellent at pass protection. And even like off the field things, uh, he kind of deflects or absorbs the attention from the media away from Lamar. He's been such a good like uh, advocate for Lamar. And I feel like Ingram brings so much to the table that it's I feel bad talking about him this way. Yeah, very natural leader. Uh, you know, you see him go to the podium. He's not going to have any trouble as an announcer in the future. I think he could he could pick that up very very easily. Uh, very natural speaker, and and he'll have any number of opportunities at that. But yeah, what a leader. Yeah. All right, so we got Edwards and Hill left on my list. Who else? Do you have anybody else? Um, nope, just just those two. Um, when it comes to Hill, I. I want to see Hill get more targets. He had 15 last year, and but I don't see how he's going to get more. But I think that he's a very good receiver. I think that he's a better runner than people give him. I know it's off topic, but I think he's mm-hmm. a better runner than people give him credit for. But he's just he's kind of stuck as far as getting on the field and getting targets. Yeah, I mean, so, I would agree. I so I I. I Hill just at 15 targets. Okay. I have him for 10 and I have Edwards for five. And just to, to kind of roll the Edwards comments in with this, I did a show on fantasy expectations with another guy. And, and one of the things that came up is Edwards has had two virtually identical years. It's like within a few yards and within a couple carries, almost exact same wide yards per carry fumbles. I mean, just it's, it's, it's exact. It basically duplicated a year twice as close probably as any running back in NFL history. And yet, yeah. Coming into his third season, the consensus fantasy projection is for 300 and some yards for him. Right. You know, so it's, you know, yep. it's just the nature of he's behind a couple of guys here. And I think stylistically, he really brings to the Ravens something the other backs don't. I mean, all of them have a little bit of power, but Edwards mm-hmm. still is the biggest and most powerful runner they have. Oh, absolutely. Edwards is a hammer. And, um, and I think that. He's a hammer in an offense where the the blocking scheme with the read option is going to give opportunities for an explosive running back to have explosive carries. And I think that maybe in looking for like the big the big run is going to be what kind of limits his his uh, his his carries and his targets. Okay, I, 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 I thought I thought you knew where you're going with this. I thought it was in complete agreement, but I'm going to just take the other side of that coin for a second and say Edwards has done a wonderful job in two years now with the Ravens of doing a lot with level two and level three opportunities when he gets them. The blocking scheme as they naturally run, and of course the read option, is giving him time for those double teams in the middle to develop so that he, the first guy who contacts him is more often – not a linebacker or even a safety. And when that occurs, Gus Edwards has a big advantage. I still basically agree with you, though, that somebody with a little bit more speed is going to be able to make more explosive plays. And that's probably why they want Dobbins as the lead back here. 
The guy who would be perfect, the guy who would be unbelievable in this offense is Jamal Lewis, who is both an a, a, a incredibly large back with a ton of speed. And boy, if the Ravens had a player like him right now, they would, they'd be killing it. Oh, uh, yeah. Don't, don't get me started. My favorite running back this year was the kid out of Wisconsin. And, and I thought for a second that he was going to fall, but, the, but I think that kid would be perfect in this offense. He needs to clean up his, uh, his, his, his fumbles, though. That's Taylor, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because the Ravens, the way DaCosta talked about it after the fact, they seemed to think they had Dobbins number one on their board among running backs. So, right. you know, they waited. They could have obviously had Denzel Mims at 55. They took Dobbins instead. Denzel Mims was, t- Mims was taken before they got to 60. Uh, don't know how high he was on their boards. But obviously, that would have been one of the other options. Given target allocation and the questions we've had today, would you rather have had Mims than Dobbins? Um, I I am a best player available guy, and for me, um, Dobbins. Like, I, I would have had Taylor above Dobbins, but I can definitely see how they would have um, Dobbins higher. So I was a hundred percent on board for for Dobbins over Mims, and I think that. Just I'm I'm gonna you know speculate based on the reaction they had, but I feel like they really had a high grade on Duvernay and were happy with where they got him. Yeah, it, it definitely looked like it from the from the draft room and all. Whenever whenever a player gets taken and it does not really seem to match where I think economically the draft would have let him be, meaning where other players would have had him. I think the Ravens probably got a value here when they take a running back. And it's even it's particularly true when they take a player who's opposite to need. And the Ravens have had such a good job of ex- switching out stylistic running backs. The drafting running backs to me was a mild surprise, particularly in round two. But it tells me that they really love the value on that player. And if they do, I do. Yeah. Yeah. In in DaCosta, we trust now. There you go. Uh Ed, been an absolute pleasure having you on. We'd love to do this again. Uh, anytime you have a topic, just shoot it to me by, by uh, email or DM on Twitter, whatever you want to do, and we'll, uh, we'll talk again. Uh, where can folks find your posts, your other, any other writing you've been doing? Uh, no. Um, uh, right now I'm on RSR. I love to post there. Great guys on that forum. Um, a, a while back I did a, a Real Talk Fantasy Football at uh, PGC Community College. And uh, like a while back before that, I did uh, Sons of Washington. I used to write for them. But right now, I'm just a big fan that loves the Ravens and huge Lamar Jackson fan. All right. Outstanding. I uh, want to talk to other people. If you have a film study topic you'd like to do in a short, we'd like to keep it to 30 minutes. It doesn't always work out that way, but we'd love to love to have you on. Just shoot me a, a DM on Twitter, uh, an email if you like. Uh, my email out there is out there on the website and whatnot if you want to hit me there. Uh, otherwise, we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Thanks again, Ed. Thanks again, Ken. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans.
Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.